Well, good afternoon, and welcome to yet another edition of The Other Ground Live. Uh, I'm Passive J. Uh, Big Dalton's not here at the moment, actually. He, he had a power outage, so he's currently sitting in his apartment looking at his phone that has like 3% power, so he can't even call in. So unless his power comes on, uh, it's going to be a solo show. Uh, I hope you guys will be okay with that. You don't really have a choice. Neither do I. Um, hopefully the OG army will be able to help me out with that uh, as soon as they form up and join in. Uh, in the meantime, I don't really have a ton to talk about, but I'm sure I can come up with at least a topic or two. Let me grab and see what I have in my notes today. Thank God for phones that allow you to take notes. All day I uh, think of all kinds of things that I want to talk about on the show, and if I didn't have that phone with me to take notes, they would all be lost. Uh, of course, th that being said, I only actually came up with one fucking topic. Oh, Jesus, this is going to be a hell of a show. Um... Yeah, normally I let uh, Ryan do most of, most of the topic searching. It's not that I don't care about it. I'm just kind of busy at my job all day. So I don't really have time to sit down and look for shit to talk about that often. Um, of course, I have time to post on the OG at least a half a dozen times, but, but that's not the same thing. And as I mentioned before, looking through the news is not really a fun way for me to find topics to talk about. I don't want to talk about politics like Ryan does. Um I'd rather talk about you know, fun things. I'm mostly in the nerdy stuff, but uh, one of the few disadvantages of doing a show with Dalton is that he's not into that kind of shit at all. So we don't really have a lot in common to talk about other than our normal topics of uh, weightlifting and MMA and things like that. Um, so whenever he gets into his political stuff, it's for, it's kind of hard for me to uh, have a conversation with him because I don't pay any attention to that shit. I imagine I probably should since it obviously affects my life directly from time to time. Uh, but it's just never been my thing. I don't know. Oh, let's see. What can we talk about today? Uh, I've stopped going to regular news sites. It's, uh, no point. Like lately I've been looking up odd and weird news, like in the Google title to see what pops up. Still not all that much, to be honest with you, but I did find one thing. Um, there's a, uh, uh I saw an article about Ford leasing a, a robot dog from Barcelona. Boston Dynamics. It's not a real dog, obviously, but it's a quadruped robot. <clears throat> robot, rather. Uh, and they're going to use it to uh, take pictures and video of their factory uh, So, because they plan on redesigning and upgrading some of their workspaces. Um, and they claim that this will save them a bunch of money because here's the numbers. They claim that it would cost them $300,000 to have uh, engineers uh, with a, uh, you know, try to walk over the millions of square foot feet in a factory and set up cameras in a tripod. But I'm kind of calling bullshit on this one because the robots are not anonymous or autonomous rather, rather, or however you want to say it for like, uh, on their own there, they have a operator walking a couple feet behind them with a handheld, uh, like controller. Uh, so you're telling me that it costs $300,000 to have people walk around with cameras and take the pictures that you need, but you can pay way less to have this guy run a robot with a camera in its head to do the same thing. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't believe that. <laughs> I mean, I, it's probably true. Obviously they they did the math and shit. Uh, but, and Boston dynamics did not, um, disclose their lease terms with Ford, but you can buy that robot from them for about $76,000. So I assume, uh, them leasing it was substantially less. I just don't know where they get the number for $300,000 to have engineers walk around and do that. Since, the, as I mentioned, they're already someone has to walk around with the robot. So how is that any different? 
how is it cheaper to have a robot with a camera in its head and an operator instead of a guy walking around with a normal camera? But, you know, that's uh, neither here nor there. And that was it. That was my entire topic that I had for today. I had hoped it would take a little bit longer if I had Ryan here to talk about it, but apparently not. Uh, let's see, I'm, which means, of course, I'm going to have to go to the good old Yahoo News to pick out topics. Uh, I don't never realize how much I rely on Ryan to do some of the shit in the show until he's not around for it. Um, let's see what we have here on the good old Google, uh, excuse me, Yahoo News as well. Hey, team, little bad guy. Uh, good to see you. Uh, yeah, the OG Army is not forming up really, uh, uh fast today. <laughs> you're, you're it so far. I'm sure we'll get some of them in a little bit. Most of our, uh, cast of characters don't log in until 10 or 15 minutes into the show to avoid hearing me complain about my stomach which is probably a solid plan uh excuse me i need to take a drink before i cough in the mic <coughs> oh hmm. it's parched yep no one no one else so far but that's okay sir we're gonna go over to yahoo right here and see what we have to talk about uh do 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 Oh, Jim Carrey's calling somebody out. The, 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 I, I don't know. I'm never. Uh, Jim Carrey's in a news uh, called Kanye West, one of the greatest characters of ours, I guess, talks about his new book. I'm not a Jim Carrey fan. I'll, I'll be totally honest with you. I didn't, wasn't a huge fan of any of his movies. Uh, like some of them aren't bad. Uh, let me think. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think I like any of his movies. I liked him quite a bit when he was in Living Color and doing bits and shit like that. And lately he just seems like kind of a douchebag. Um, he, uh, you know, he's very, very much into political statements, which is not what I want out of my celebrities. Uh, and so I, I just have no interest in that guy in, in, at all anymore. You know, I see team evil bad guys saying about the same thing. Uh, but yeah, it's, and it's, and it's always disappointing because as I mentioned, he was really fucking funny when he was younger before, uh, um, his comedy went to shit. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, there's, you know, but he's had a way better career than lots of people. Uh, I have to say there's all kinds of basically, I don't know. He was never a stand-up comic. I guess he's always a comedic actor, but I was thinking of stand-up comics that had like one good hit. And then after that, they hung around way longer than they should have. Uh, and, uh, Dane Cook is a good example of that. He, I, the first time I saw him, I thought he was fucking hilarious. I, I thought he, he was really funny, but then like 32 comedy albums later that are all exactly the same. I was sick of his shit. There's somebody that should have made one or two albums and then, you know, faded into the night. Um, but, uh, but he's still making comedy from what I understand. I don't know. I don't pay attention to his shit, but I listen to a lot of stand-up comedy on Spotify. Uh, like all, they have comedy lists. You know, they, unfortunately they don't have a comedy channel as far as I can tell, because Spotify doesn't do channels. Uh, they just have, have you do types of music, but, they, but you can't just play random comedy. Uh, but people have collected comedy lists and I can, you can look those up and, and click on those and, uh, they'll have all kinds of different comics. And I run the Dane Cook shit quite a bit. So I don't know if he made a lot more albums than I'm aware of, or if he's still currently making them. Uh, but some people still have them in their playlist. I was never, but I was never much of a fan. He had like one really good bit that I always thought was funny where he was talking about the predator, you know, uh, and how he was always, you know, always wet and glistening and shit. And he was like pour water over himself, which was a good bit. Uh, other than that, I, I lost interest in him very quickly. Very college level bro humor. It seemed like, um, how about you team evil bad guy? Uh, who is your favorite to stand up comic? I can't talk about comic stand up comics for, for uh, Dalton. He doesn't have his sense of humor, <laughs> not even a little one is apparently. So 
Oh, uh, he said George Carlin. That was my dad's favorite st- uh, stand-up comic, uh, which makes me a fan of him anyways. Although I will admit his last album or two before he passed away wasn't so much funny as just angry. <laughs> he he went, he went. seems like over the years he turned from a, a, a pretty funny, sarcastic type, type humor to almost angry old man humor. <laughs> yeah, he, he got old and mad. So, which was a shame because I, I liked him better as sarcastic and, you know, funny. Uh, God, lots of those old school comics. Uh, did you ever see Gallagher? When I was a kid, Gallagher was like my favorite stand-up comic ever. Of course, uh, I, uh, of course, I, as a kid, I got, was bored through the first 45 minutes of his show when he told actual jokes. I was just there for the slidematic. Uh, nothing's more amusing to a nine-year-old than watching a guy with a handlebar mustache uh, bust open fruit with a large sledgehammer. Yeah, no, not today. <laughs> not today. I, I, I definitely wouldn't be. A, I, I don't remember any of his jokes. All I remember is him, is him hitting fruit. And as a child, I thought that was hilarious. Um, you mentioned uh, Robin Williams as well. I used to love Robin Williams. I like uh, his stand-up. I thought he was awesome. L- going back and listening to some of it now, not so much. It's uh, I can't. I, I'm surprised at how little I like Robin Williams' uh, stand-up comedy from this perspective. I love him as a person. Uh, all of his movies are great, and he's funny as hell in comedic acting. But going back and listening to some of his bits, they don't they don't strike me as as funny as they used to. I guess I don't know why. Yeah, and as Team Evil Bad Guys mentions, yeah, it's a lot of riffing. So, um, it, and which can be good or bad. There, I think there's a lot of comics that like that that do uh, kind of an improv version of their own show every time. Um, I couldn't tell you offhand because uh, most I don't go out and see fucking stand-up comics. I just watch their specials and such. Uh, a good one that I saw recently, and I think I've met, I mentioned it here a couple times, is a guy named Ron Funches. <clears throat> uh, he's had, uh, had uh, I think, two albums out so far, and they're both really good. Uh, he also does like the voice of uh, King Shark on the Harley Quinn animated series, uh, which is pretty much him. <laughs> and he, he he's... A lot of his stuff's not ha-ha funny, but just like, you know, uh, subtle humor. Um, I'm not going to try to tell you any of his jokes because I do horrible at it. But but uh, he's a pretty funny guy. If you like stand-up comedy, I'd go, uh, I would definitely recommend him. Oh, okay. So I see Team Evil Bad Guys has uh, uh, heard of punches as well. Oh, let's see. Then there's a guy that I've been listening to lately. I'm not sure if I can say his name right. It's Nate Bargabria or something like that. Uh, I'd... <clears throat> As you guys know, I can't pronounce a name worth shit, so I'm probably butchering that. And he's a comic from the South, although he doesn't have a Southern accent. Uh, just really irrelevant to odd humor, which I'm always a big fan of. Uh, although he does have kind of a weird delivery. He doesn't. He tends to not finish his sentences and like start to say one or two or three different things. Uh, I, I can't describe the thing. You know what? I'm going to look him up uh, since it's not like we have anything better to do right now. Let me go to the old Spotify list and uh see if i can't find them it's a very long list so uh i might have issues let's see stand-up comedy under spotify there's all kinds of shit i think he's near the end so give me a minute here it's yeah it's not like you guys are going anywhere right <laughs> uh let's see this is a long ass list mm, no, not good. Uh, let's see i know he's i know he's at least fairly popular because he's had more than one uh um album because there's two of them on this one God, I don't know who made this list, but he's got a, a pretty eclectic taste. I've seen uh, uh, J.J. Walker and Rita Rutner on this. His name is Nate Bargatze, B-A-R-G-A-T-Z-E. So uh, if, uh, look him up if you get a chance. He's got some pretty funny bits. Um, I liked it quite a bit. 
and that's one of I'm sure he's been around for a while, but I just discovered him like within the last six months or so. So I'm still uh, high on him. Other, you know, but my favorite art comic of all times is uh, Mitch Hedberg. And I'm sure you guys have heard of him. He's, you know, he passed away a long time ago, but he's, he got more and more famous after he passed away than he ever was when he was uh, around. And he does really weird, irrele- irrelevant humor. Uh, lots of one-liners, kind of like Stephen Wright, but not quite as deadpan. Um, he's got so many good jokes that I'm, I'm sure I'm going to murder uh, the delivery if I try any of them. Uh, but like he he had like weird one one-liners. He's like, yeah, I like escalators because an escalator can never break down. It can just become stairs. You'll never see a sign that says escalator out of order. Just escalator temporarily stairs. We apologize that you can still get up there. <laughs> just shit like that. Uh, he talked about having uh, an infestation. He said his apartment was infested with koala bears. It was the cutest goddamn infestation ever. You know, I, I turn on the light and they'd scatter. And, and I don't want them to. I just want to like go pick one up, and pat him on the head, and feed him a leaf. <laughs> See, like, I, like, as I mentioned, I'm fucking up his delivery pretty bad. Uh-oh, my little dog wants up on my lap. Come here, little dog. Yeah, luckily she is a little dog, so I don't really have, it's not that hard to have her on my lap while I'm doing the show. Um, she is a little turd, though. She's very hyper. Uh, this is Lulu. Uh, Sadie doesn't is not interested in being my lap. Sadie's a weird dog like that. Sadie does not like a, a lot of physical contact. Uh, when she sleeps with you, she doesn't want to be on you. She'll cuddle up next to you, but she doesn't want to be on you. Like, if you're in bed, she'll want to be in between your legs. Um she very rarely wants on my lap. The only time she wants on my lap is when uh, my wife is gone for long periods of time, and she's still not really a big fan of it. Uh, she And when she's sitting on my wife's lap, she, she prefers to be, like, cre- wedged in the crevice. She doesn't like being petted. She's the only dog I've ever known that doesn't really care about getting petted. Like, she, whenever you pet her, she just sits there and goes, oh, yeah, okay. She never tries to, like, push her head underneath your hand to get you to pet her more. Uh, very little reaction to it. She doesn't really like being petted. It was kind of weird. All she really wants to do is play ball. Uh, my Sadie, who is, I'm sure most of you know, uh, that listen to the show, is a Chihuahua pit bull mix. <laughs> she is 75% Chihuahua and 25% pit bull. Her uh, mom was a Chihuahua. Her dad was half pit bull, half Chihuahua, uh, which means her grandma was uh, a pit bull and her granddad on that side was a Chihuahua. And I... Never saw a picture of that Chihuahua, but I would really like to meet him because that's a fucking hell of a thing. <laughs> I don't know, maybe the, maybe the pitbull was sleeping or something because <laughs> uh, I can't imagine how a male Chihuahua pulled that one off. But he did, and she decided, to, the person that owned her decided to breed the half Chihuahua, half pitbull with another Chihuahua, creating 75% Chihuahua and 25% pitbull, which is the cutest goddamn thing you've ever seen in your life. She looks like a real stocky uh, Chihuahua. Like it's, uh, she looks like a Chihuahua that's been like working out a lot. Um, but, but as I mentioned, she has like being petted. Uh, she loves playing ball, loves playing ball. That's all, all she want to do all day long. You know, she likes to tug of war too, but you can, but she loves ball. Just throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball. It's amazing that she's so stocky. You think that she'd be skinny as hell from running all day, but nope. She looks like a little linebacker. <laughs> uh, my other dog, Lulu, is a, a purebred chihuahua. She's one of those light tan ones. You know, she looks like she's almost white, when you, but if you uh, get, look closely, she's got like little shades of brown and tan in her. Um, I thought she was a chihuahua mix of some sort, but the, the vet tells us it's actually a chihuahua. Um, I'd never seen one that looked like this, but then again, I've never done a lot of trauma, uh, research. <laughs> 
and she's a good little dog. She is a little lover. She wants to be petted all day. That's what she's doing on my lap right now. She's being petted. Uh, once I stop petting her, she might go find my wife to go be petted by her as well. And goddamn, when you people fucking call in, I'm dying over here. <laughs> I'm not used to doing this as a, a solo show. Uh, but anyways, uh, so Lulu is a really good dog. Oh, we got her as a rescue. Um, apparently, uh, the people that had us before her uh, left her, abandoned her and her mom in a, in a basement of their townhouse. And supposedly, the rescue tells us that she was there for two weeks with no food or water which is obviously not true because uh, you can't not give a dog water for two weeks and have it live. She would have been dead. So I assumed uh, there was at least a little water down there. She was super duper thin and uh, in really bad health. So I, I, I'll be honest with you. The, the first day that we got her, I thought she was going to die. Um, she was very lethargic. Um, she would barely eat. I had to feed her food by hand to get her to eat it. Um, and I, you know, I, I shed a few tears. I thought she was going to die. I didn't think I was going to have a dog anymore. Um, this is about a team evil bad guy. I asked how long ago that was. This is last October. Um, so we've had her less than a year. Uh, and it took a couple days, uh, but she started to get her strength back and, you know, be more active. And uh, now she's a little fucking hellion. <laughs> she is super duper hyper. She's, you know, if she, if you're not petting, actively petting her, she's normally running around trying to torment one of the other animals in the house. Uh, she's, she's very good at, uh, although lately she stopped doing it. She was attacking the fuck out of our cat. Uh, we have a 22 pound, uh, Maine Coon cat named Sam. And, um, both the dogs went through periods where they thought Sam was the greatest thing in the world. And Sam's a really, really tolerant cat. Like, uh, they'll, they'll bite at him. They'll like tug on his fur and he doesn't do much about it, uh, until he does. <laughs> and I did not witness either of these things, uh, but neither Sam, well, neither Sadie, Sadie won't go fucking near Sam anymore. I didn't see it happen, but at one time Sam must have had enough of that shit and fucked her up because <laughs> it's to the point where Sadie won't get within like a foot or two of Sam. Uh, there's been occasions, uh, we have a, a ramp in our back, uh, in our backyard going down the porch because the uh, steps are really old and really steep and the dogs can't uh, handle it. At least not Sadie. She's got little stumpy legs. So we had a, a ridiculous looking, uh, wooden ramp built. And there's been several occasions where I haven't seen Sadie for a while. Uh, and I'd wonder where she was. And I'd go outside and she's down at the bottom of the ramp. And Sam sprawled like across the ramp. And she can't get past. She can't go up the ramp without like going past them. And she won't fucking do it. So like she, I, she sat out there for like a half hour, 45 wait minutes waiting for Sam to move so that she could go up the ramp. She doesn't go anywhere near him. Uh, Sadie still fucks with Sam a little bit here and there, but I've seen a rapid decline in it in the last month. So I think Sam finally had his, uh, uh, had his fill of Sadie and Sadie was way worse than Sam. Uh, then, uh, excuse me. Lulu was way worse than, uh, Sadie with, when it comes to fucking with Sam, the cat, uh, she is brutal. Like we, we find uh, until recently, like clumps of hair all over the house from like Lulu pulling on her hair and tugging top and uh, tugging, uh, uh, hair out. Uh, Sam's a big gigantic Maine Coon with really thick with, you know, uh, long hair. So I'm sure it doesn't do him a ton of harm, but I imagine he doesn't like it at all. And he eventually did something about it. So now Sam's finally got his peace and quiet. I felt kind of bad about that because we had uh, Sam before he got any of the uh, dogs and Sam always had to run of the house and he got tons of attention and all that good stuff. Then all of a sudden we started getting dogs and Sam became a second class citizen. Yeah, because he doesn't demand attention. He'll rum, walk up to you, rub against you a little bit, and if you don't, if you don't reach out and pet him, he'll he'll kind of wander away. That's how cats are. 
Uh, but he loves to be petted. He's, you know, that would, that's the thing. He's a very weird cat in that way. I'm not a huge cat person as it turns out. Uh, but Sam's about as good a cat as you can possibly get. Put up with all the shit from the dogs. Uh, loves to be petted. Like you could spend all day petting him. He'd be all about that. Really super passive, friendly to strangers. Like, uh, uh like someone will come in and Sam will come up and want to be petted by them too. So very unusual as far as a cat goes. I'm just not a big fan of how cats act in general. Uh, mostly it's my fault. I'm not a morning person and I get up really early in the morning and it affects my mood in the morning quite a bit. And the last thing I want when I'm trying to get ready for work is him rubbing up against me and trying to get my attention and all that good stuff. So I'm very much not a cat person first thing in the morning, you know, cause he does what the cat does. He gets in your way, you know, wherever you're going, he wants, he sprawls out in front of you, you know, you, you turn around, there he is, and you almost trip over his ass. And I'm just not a big fan of that. Dogs know to stay out, out from underneath your feet for the most part. Cats dare you to step on them. And I don't want to step on the cat. Oh, hey, Dose, how you doing, boss? Uh, Dose just showed up in the chat box. Uh, I see Rock G is here as well. So I'm glad to see the OG Army is finally showing up. It's been a rough one with me just talking to myself for 20 minutes. Thank God I had a Team Evil bad guy here to uh, shoot the shit with uh, somewhat. <laughs> But anyways, so yeah, those are my tales of my various pets. Um, I didn't want pets at all, to be honest with you. I, I don't like caring about shit. It's a lot easier not to care about shit. Uh, I want to care about my wife, and that's about it. You know, I There's people at work I care about to a lesser degree, uh, but I certainly didn't want to become emotionally attached to a whole bunch of animals. That's just not my thing. I, I lived here by myself, for, or excuse me, with a roommate for years and years and years without any pets. It's my house. Obviously, I could have had a pet if I wanted it. I didn't want it. I didn't want to deal with them. I'm not a big fan of cleaning up after them. Just the whole nine yards. Uh, but the biggest thing is I didn't want to become emotionally attached. And I've already told my wife that in certain ways I resent her for this because I'm going to be fucking crushed when one of these animals dies. <laughs> you know, luckily, unless something horribly goes wrong, uh, I got quite a while before I have to worry about that. Uh, Sadie uh, just turned three recently. And uh, Lulu over here, they think is about a year and a year, year and a half, something like that. <clears throat> And small dogs uh, live for quite a while, so I'm sure I've got 10 to 12 to 13 years before I have to start worrying about that kind of shit. But it, it will happen, and, uh, and I get emotionally attached to things pretty easy, so it, it's it'll be a rough time when one of those pass away. Yeah, it honestly sounds like the, Yeah, I probably would. I would. I, don't, I probably would be a, a better off of just a goldfish, uh, although I don't like fish. To, to me, that doesn't seem that's kind of a pointless kind of pet. If I, if I have a pet, it's going to be one that I want to interact with and things like that. That's why I never was interested in stuff like gerbils and hamsters and guinea pigs. I'm like, that's kind of a useless pet. That's just a, that's just a pet. That's, that's the, all the work of a pet with none of the, none of the fun of having a pet. So, and fuck buying like a snake or a tarantula or some shit like that. To me, that's just the stupidest idea for a pet ever. You know, that's not a pet. That's like, that's a decoration. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and and I guess if you look at it like that, it's not a horrible thing, but that's not what I want decorating my house because uh, you currently can't certainly can't take your tarantula out and play with it or your snake or whatever you have. Um, when I used to work for the Michigan Maine Society, we would occasionally see shit like that come in, like exotic pets uh, that people gave up. We got quite a few of them uh, through a partnership with the Detroit police. Uh, Detroit police and the Michigan Maine Society uh, had an agreement. I assume they probably still do now that when they were going to raid someplace that where there was known exotic animals, they would have the uh, Michigan Maine Society come with them. And once the raid was over, they would go in and take care of the animals. Uh, because of that, we saw cr crazy things like uh, I've seen an albino cobra before. We had a full grown lion. I think yeah, I told you guys a story about that one before. 
uh, where uh, a drug dealer had bought getting a gotten a lion and put it in a drug house. Uh, he kept the lion in, in two rooms. In one room, there was the lion and all of his drugs. In the other room was where they normally fed the lion, where it had like one of those drawstring uh, doors. So you, like you pull on the string, it pulls up the door, and the lion goes through and gets fed. You can run in there, grab your stash out, uh, and get what you need, and let then let the lion back in. So that was his uh, that was his drug protection program. <laughs> so we got that lion, and that was around. That lion was around for quite a while uh, before we found some place for him. The Detroit Zoo, or actually no regular zoo, would take him because he'd been frontly clawed. Uh, and apparently, zoos regular zoos don't take altered animals. I don't know why, but okay. Uh, so we had him for quite a while before we found a refuge that would uh, let her that we could send her to as a female. And she was a fucking asshole. She was just a mean person as far as animals go. Uh, she had a gigantic water dish. Uh, this water dish is probably like two feet across by two feet across. It was giant and very deep. And every single day when I came into work, she had taken a shit in it. And lions shit big, as you might imagine. Uh, so her shit would pretty much fill up that entire two foot by two foot by like six inch, six or eight inch deep bowl. <laughs> You know, right up to the rims. So I would have to clean out wet fucking lion shit every morning. I hated that. I hated that fucking lion. She wasn't friendly. Yeah, obviously not. I don't blame her for not being friendly, but you had to be careful with her because, you know, uh, she's not the type of animal that you put your fingers in and pet or shit like that. <laughs> um, uh, by contrast, we had a cougar at one point. Uh, when I say a cougar, we're talking like a 60 to 70 to 80 pound cat, uh, maybe even maybe even 100 pounds. Um, not, not a cougar, like a bobcat, not one of those 20 or 30 pound cats. Uh, she, I can't remember what uh, Tiffany weighed. She was somewhere between 60 and hundred pounds. She was a big kitty and she was completely tame. Uh, someone had gotten her as a pet when she was a kitten and, uh, been nice to her the entire time. So she liked people. Uh, she, uh, I can't remember the circumstances. I think she was confiscated because the person did not have an adequate, uh, habitat for her. Um, but she was super friendly. She'd rub up against the cage, wanting you to scratch behind her ears, and she'd purr and shit. And you know, she was a cool cat. Uh, eventually, we adopted her out to a rich person who spent the money to build like a, a indoor outdoor cage in the back of his house. Uh, so it, it wasn't illegal for someone to have that animal. It just you had to provide it with an adequate uh, a habitat, uh, which this guy did. So that was pretty cool. I remember the day that we went and dropped it off to him, you know, and saw her running around. It was, it was like a two-story, uh, maybe even a three-story high cage on both on the inside of his house and on the outside of his house. And you know, they had a little door that she can go through. And it was pretty cool. The guy had obviously spent a whole bunch of money on it. Uh, but And it, just watching her jump around to, like, the different branches and shit and ledges that he built for her, it was really awesome. Because I, from what I understood, he, she spent a lot of her life in a very confined space for a, a cat that size. Um, so I, you know what, I enjoyed working in Humane Society. It didn't pay shit. Here's a good now. Granted, this is back in the early '90s. I want to say '91, '92, '93, somewhere around there. Um, maybe as far as '94. But I made six bucks an hour. Uh, now six bucks an hour went a little bit farther back then, but it still wasn't jack shit. And I kind of risked my life on a regular basis. <laughs> Not really risk, but, you know, I did stuff that I probably shouldn't be doing for $6 an hour. Like, I went down inside storm grates to uh, rescue baby ducks. I climbed, one time I climbed a tree with a, a steak knife taped to the end of a, a, a pool uh, cleaning tool so I could try to cut the kite string off of a bird that was caught in a tree. So, yeah, I'm, I'm up there one hand holding onto the ladder, the other hand trying to one hand cut 
kite string with a bird hanging upside down from it flooding around. I got it though. And the bird flew away. So I was happy about that. Uh, I was the crossing guard for every animal you can possibly think of. I don't know how many times the Michigan Humane Society got called to, oh, these animals are trying to cross the road. Oh, uh, well, let me see what I can do. Um, no, I, I, Doss, I did not have a cool fanny pack. Uh, that, that was not part of my costume. Although I was so proud of my uh, my job at the time. Uh, my stepmom's a seamstress. She owns an embroidery and uh, shop now, but she's basically into sewing of all types. Uh, she made me a rescue man costume for Halloween one time. <laughs> uh, that was a lot of fun. I wore it around the, the uh, shelter that day. It was just a, it was a pair of red bicycle shorts or so, oh, red. No, I think they were red, like uh, baseball shorts or some shit like that. And then with a blue tights on the room and then a red, uh, big, a blue shirt with a big red uh, R on, on it. And then she made me a cape and everything. It was fucking hideous, but, <laughs> but I enjoyed it. That was a fun time. Uh, I think uh, one of the, uh, the, probably the most unusual thing that I got personally sent out to get was a 14 foot Burmese python uh, that someone found on their front yard. It was a little uh, industrial shop on a dirt road. Uh, um, not uh, in in Metro Detroit. It was not. It was not the woods. It was. It was strangely enough a dirt road right in the middle of a city. I don't know how uh, how, it, how it happened, but they never got around to uh, paving that one. And that's irre- irrelevant to the story. So I go to the shop and I'm like, "Hey, uh, yeah, you guys uh, said you had a snake to be picked up. They didn't tell us how big it was, by the way." <laughs> so they're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." The, this uh, the, and everyone's standing outside. I'm like, "Dude, it's a fucking snake. How big of a deal could it be?" Uh, and they say, yeah, it's right over there on the front yard. I'm like, oh, next to that big pipe? They're like, no, that's not a big pipe. It was a fucking snake. That thing was 14 feet long. I think it weighed 100 and something pounds. That was one of the hardest things I physically did as a, as a skinny kid uh, was uh, picking that thing up. Uh, the way it worked is no one would get near it. Uh, and I had something called a control stick. If you're unfamiliar, a control stick is a big, long metal pole that has a uh, wire running through it that goes out into a loop uh, on one one end on the other end it has the other end of the wire that you can yank on that which will close the loop and you use that to uh you know capture things like uh aggressive dogs and such and such like that so all i did was walk over and very slowly put the loop over the snake's head and close it until i was pretty sure i had it tight enough to he wasn't going anywhere but without me hurting him uh I had already set up a, uh, a big cage on its side. So like the entrance, the, the opening to it was on the top. So I just kind of dragged it over and put its head inside of the, uh, inside of the cage. Uh, and at that point I was kind of at an impasse and had to ask for help. And it was surprisingly hard to talk somebody into coming over and helping me put that cage, stake in the cage. <laughs> no, I, uh, um, you know, I, uh, I eventually convinced them. So all I did was I held the, the snake uh, in the cage while they picked up, you know, like the loops of snake and threw it in there. I had offered to reverse it. I was like, Hey man, if you want to hold on to the head, I will go ahead and do that too. I can, I can put the snake in. Uh, but he was like, no, 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 I got it. Uh, so we, we put the snake in, you know, we closed the cage door as much as we can. I released his head and slid the control rod out uh, and then locked the cage. And nobody would help me fucking carry that fucking cage. Nobody at all. But, yeah, I tried picking it up. I'm like, "Holy shit, this is heavy and fuck. It's heavy as fuck. Can anyone give me a hand?" And no one would, would touch the cage. I don't know why. So I had to struggle it along to get it to you know across the yard into my rescue van because we had a big like forty conline uh, van well, with cages in the back and all that good shit. Um, well, with a flashing light on the top. I love driving that thing. That was fun. Um, 
Uh, Rock G asked if it had good insurance. Uh, no, I don't think it did. I don't think I had insurance, to be honest with you. <laughs> that was back before yeah, I th the uh, um, back before uh, businesses were required to give it. So I don't think I had insurance for them at all because uh, I didn't. Yeah, matter of fact, I know I didn't because uh, now that I think about it, I don't think I had insurance until I was 31 and I got my current job. So from the age of like uh, 16 or 17, uh, when I got kicked out of my parents' house, uh, I didn't have insurance at all. Luckily to me, nothing majorly bad happened. Uh, <laughs> so lots of other, lots of kind of bad things. Uh, I had to end up paying cash for a whole bunch of stitches. Let's put it that way. But like, luckily for me, like no life altering illnesses or anything like that. Now I've got awesome uh, insurance just at the right time when I'm going to shit and having things wrong with me. <laughs> so, but anyways, uh, that was, uh, an interesting catch. Uh, one of my more pain, uh, what, oh, one of my favorite moments I'll tell about, tell this story before I move on, uh, was one of the few times I actually felt like a fucking superhero. Uh, we got a call from a, uh, place that, uh, several different people saying that there was a swan in the middle of the road of a residential district, you know, and just sitting in the middle of the road. Uh, which obviously swans don't normally do that. Swans normally go around fucking with people because they're assholes. Uh, so uh, I uh, jumped in the rescue van and drove to the uh, scene. And, you know, there's a crowd standing around it and just sitting there hissing and honking at people. And I knew I dealt with this kind of thing before, but on a smaller basis, I knew what the problem was. It had something around its foot. Uh, and, and the thing with that, you know, and his foot was all bound up in like wire or fishing line or something like that. And, uh, that's why he wouldn't move because he you had know, one of his legs it was immobilized and people say well why didn't he fly away and well a, a swan and I assume most uh, other avians will not fly away if their foot's not working because they can't land uh, you think he would just fly into the water but no he, he just sat there um, so I had a big crowd of people watching to see how I was going to deal with this and I knew I was going to deal with this because I dealt with av avians before I was an avian expert at this point all I did is I went to someone's yard where there's a couple of uh, like broken branches lying on the side of the road. Uh, one that was like two or three feet long or whatever, maybe even four. I walked up uh, back up to the crowd and said, hey, uh, can you help me for a second? Uh, he goes, well, what do you mean? I, Could you take this and wave it in the swan's face? He's like, uh, yeah, I guess I can do that. And the, which is what he proceeded to do. Uh, the swans are assholes. They hate everybody. So immediately the swan started uh, honking and hissing at him uh, while I walked up behind the swan. Uh, and then quick, like a bunny grabbed him by his neck and shoved his head underneath his wing. Uh, at which point the swan went to fucking sleep because that's what happens with birds. If you take a bird and you shove its, uh, head underneath its wing, it will go to sleep. It works for chickens. It works for swans. Uh, I've never tried it on anything like a hawk before, but <laughs> I assume it would probably work on that. Uh, but with a swan, it was easy because, you know, while they're big beefy creatures, you know, their neck's only so, uh, fucking strong. Uh, so so as soon as I put it, you know, his head underneath his wing, he fell asleep. I picked him up holding his, his by his wit by pressing at his wing. So his head was pressed, you know, was kept underneath his wing. And I marched him over to the uh, uh, rescue van and threw him in the cage in the back. Uh, and people fucking applauded and cheered and shit. It was to this day, it's a highlight of my life because it's one of the few times where I actually felt like a hero. You know, I was like, aha, never fear. Rescue man is here. Uh, uh, it was so in lots of ways, that was a good job for me. It, it was the only job I think I've ever had in my life where I felt like I was doing something where I, where I was accomplishing something, doing something other than, you know, just pushing papers or bullshit that does, doesn't really matter. Like when I was the photo manager at CVS, it didn't matter who, you know, what's in the grand scheme of things, who gives a shit if someone gets their pictures or not? Yeah. I realize they're people's memories and yada, 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 but in the grand scheme of things, that's not an important thing. 
but saving animals felt important to me. Um, unfortunately, that job didn't work out for me. The managers didn't like me that much. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, at, at one point, you know, they, they eventually fired me because I missed a day. And I came in the next day, they're like, they're going to have to let you go. I'm like, oh, just for one day? Shit. And they're like, no, there's this, 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 and this, and this. And they had this big, long list of things that I hadn't done, which I don't understand to this day because they were the managers in Michigan's at an at-will call state or however you want to say it. They can fire you for absolutely nothing. So to this day, I don't know why they had this list of stuff that I hadn't done. It's like, you know, taking illegal breaks up in the loft of the garage. I'm like, I didn't do that. <laughs> why would you say I did? Yeah, whatever. I'm still a little bit bitter about it. I have... I was pretty young then, uh, so and that was a long time ago, but I often wondered what, wondered what would have happened if I would have stayed with the Michigan Humane Society long-term. Uh, I was, I would have, at one point, I think I would have liked to move into the actual wildlife department. I was associated with it because I went out and got these wild things, but there was like a wildlife specialist that actually took care of them, and I helped her out on like quite a few things. That would have been kind of a cool job. Um, I, don't, I wouldn't have wanted to do the animal cruelty investigation shit. Uh, cause they're, they had that department and, was, and actually for a while it was a TV show, believe it or not. Uh, and I, and back in like the late nineties or early two thousands. And I, and I knew those people that were on the show. Uh, there was a, I don't, can't remember what the name of the show it was, but it followed, uh, Michigan humane society investigators while they investigated animal cruelty in Detroit. Um, but I couldn't have done that job. I couldn't, you know, it the, the humane society job I had was hard enough because, you know, you, you, if you're there long enough, you're going to see animals in distress and all that good stuff. I couldn't actively deal with, uh, animals that were abused and the, the deal and the people that did it. I wouldn't just, it's not me. Uh, it was hard enough. Uh, the hardest thing I did there was I helped euthanize animals. Um, it, that was part of the job. Uh, animals had to be put down every day at the shelter, uh, because it was a large shelter with a lot of intakes. So, or at least almost every day. And the way they worked it is they rotated the duty. So everybody that worked there basically at one point or another either had to inject the animals or help or hold down animals while the other person injected them. It was a two-person job. Um, and I hated that. I actually took the training to uh, learn how to do it because, well, for one, it was a quarter raise. And two, uh, to be honest with you, if it had to be done and I had to be involved, I wanted to be the one that did it to make sure it was done right. Because some of those people didn't know what the fuck they were doing. And there's last thing you want to do is inject the animal in the wrong area and cause it extra pain. Uh, but yeah, that's, I didn't like that at all. It was, it was rough and it didn't get easier. I worked there for a little more than a year and I put down, I don't, I can't even conceive how many animals. Uh, and to this day, it bothers me. Uh, sorry. <laughs> but anyways, let's talk about other happier things besides that. Uh, let's see. God, the Humane Society stories helped for a little bit, but that, all of that, all out of that. Uh, that was one of my favorite jobs. Uh, I think I, th I think I've mentioned my least favorite job, which was uh, working at the recycling plant. Uh, that work lasted a half a day. <laughs> God, that sunk so goddamn bad. I do not recommend working at a recycling plant because basically you're playing in garbage all day. Uh, it's not intentional garbage, but it's sort of things that end up being garbage. Uh, the worst part was the fact that there was milk jugs in in the garbage. And uh, to give you an idea, I was working there in like April or May. I think early May because it was still kind of cold and they're interspaced among the milk jugs and the detergent jugs and things like that were those little orange plastic uh, jack-o'-lanterns that small children use for trick-or-treating. Um, which meant that the uh, milk jugs there were six months old. Have you ever smelt six-month-old milk? It's not a fun thing. 
uh, I made it through half the day, and then I walked up and you know, and said, told the guy, yeah, I can't do this. This is this job is not for me. I got it through a temporary service, so I knew the temporary service would just find me something else. And he's like, yeah, that's all right. Most people don't make it to lunch. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was fucking hideous. Hold on a second, I gotta put my dog down now. She's she hears something. Oh, I know a little. Oh, you're getting all wrapped up in the cord. Come on. There we go. That's better. Yeah, let's go. Go. Ah, Jesus Christ! It's like you're doing it on purpose. Come on, dog. <laughs> oh, okay i guess she just <laughs> she just the dog just wanted the uh, cereal we don't give our dogs human food at all except whenever we have a bowl of cereal we give her one thing so she just got a single uh rice checks <laughs> but yeah anyways uh it was a it was a very bad job uh it sucked uh really bad uh and it didn't pay shit uh, uh temporary jobs surprisingly enough are not the best paying uh I don't know if anyone else has ever went through a, uh, a temporary job service, uh, but for the most part, it sucks for, cause not only you're not getting paid shit, you're not getting paid shit less than the people around you because the, the, um, agency gets a cut of it as well. Uh, so I don't recommend it unless you absolutely need to find a job. Oh, let's see. What other kind of bad jobs have I had over the years? I've worked at several different gas stations. Those aren't bad jobs per se. They're just not good jobs, as you could say. Uh, it wasn't, you know, it's not like it's a hard job. You just sit behind the counter and sell people gas and lottery tickets and cigarettes. Uh, I sold a lot of those, but it's boring as fuck. You sit there for eight hours, just sitting with your own thoughts. And this is back before there were cell phones or anything like that to amuse yourself. So I would literally just sit there with a music turned on really low. Uh, so, uh, you know, the, that the customers can't complain that I'm listening to Pantera and just do fucking nothing for eight hours a day. God damn I mean, my job right now can be rough, but at least I'm not bored. Uh, I'm really super active throughout most of my day at my work. And when I'm not, I have the internet to amuse myself, which is another good thing. Um, you know, uh, most people think that when I'm OG and at work, I'm probably doing something that I'm not supposed to do, but I got lucky with my bosses. Uh, hold on a second. This dog actually does walk, walk down now. Uh, come on. Get your, there we go. Uh, when I first started working there, my boss explained it to me that explained it explained to me that he had no issues with me being on the internet as long as my work was done he said look i don't really expect you just to stare at the wall all day if your paperwork's done and you're greeting members when they're coming and you're answering the phones he goes i don't care if you're on the internet he goes now if any of that shit doesn't get done we're gonna have a very different conversation about this uh but obviously i do my job so it's funny i've actually had people call my uh, country club a a couple times to try to get me in trouble (laughs) uh it was a you know, I've been doxxed before and some, and because I'm kind of stupid about, uh, letting too much information about myself out, it's not super duper hard to figure out where I work if you've got good detective skills. So I've had people call and, you know, get a hold of my bosses and, you know, and, and tell them shit, you know, to try to get me in trouble. And my bosses are fucking awesome about it. Like, I can't remember, uh, what the guy said, uh, someone managed to get a hold of my direct boss and tell, I can't, what did he say to him? And my boss, I think my boss's direct quote was, I don't give a shit. I'm hung up on him. <laughs> so, uh, so that I got that going for me. Um, cause I really, I don't think I could, I've been there 16 years and there's no way I could have done it if I was, uh, you know, didn't have the internet to amuse myself. Uh, nine 11 was an inside job. This is from, uh, Oh, a new loser, new, uh, listener, Liam, uh, LFC. Really? You really think L, uh, at nine 11 was inside job? I would hope not. Uh, you know, cause I don't, I would not like to think that our government's actually capable of that, of things like that, but all the research I've did, which is probably a couple of three minute Google searches has shown that it was 
pretty, uh, seems it's pretty apparent as terrorists and shit. Um, but once again, I've done very little research on it. So what I'm speaking of is probably more my hopes than, you know, facts or things like that. Uh, God, wasn't that a horrible thing? I was uh, working as a telemarketer when that happened. Uh, I tell, did telemarketing for quite a while as speaking of jobs. Uh, I hate telemarketing. It's a horrible job. Uh, I feel horrible whenever I call somebody. You, you, I don't want to bother people when they're at home. Uh, but I was good at it and it paid good money. Uh, heck, there were days where I made more money than I make now. Uh, cause the, back then they paid me $10 an hour plus $1 per lead. Uh, a lead, I, cause, uh, cause I didn't do sales. I refused to do sales cause I, I don't want my, I don't want to try to talk people into things. I don't want to try to talk them out of their money. That's just not my thing. I could do leads, which is what uh, the type of jobs I had. So my job was to call people to see if they're interested in our product and then turn them over to a salesperson. Um, and you would think that that would be poor money and the money would be in, be in a salesperson, but I got paid regardless of whether they actually bought something or not. Uh, so for me, it was really easy to, oh, here's the second thing. I would not work at a telemarketing company that was a hard sell. Uh, I, I refused. I told them, okay, I'm going to do your spiel, although I normally changed it so it fit me better. And it, then when they say no, I'm going to say, thank you. And thank you anyways, have a great day. And I'm going to hang up. If you guys have a problem with that, you shouldn't hire me. I'm not going to go, but wait, or, but you, but, or you don't know about, or, but there's this reason. No, I don't want to do that. If no telemarketers did that, telemarketers wouldn't have the super bad reputation that they do have. If all telemarketers took the first no and said, okay, thank you. Goodbye. People wouldn't hate telemarketers nearly as much because that's what the people always hated about it. You're trying to talk to them into buying stuff over the phone when they're just trying to have their dinner. So the, this place that I stayed at the longest was a carpet cleaning company uh, called Carpet Cleaners of America, which sounds like a lot of work, but mostly they just did a couple cities. <laughs> um, and my entire spiel would be me calling up and go, hi, my name's Jay. I'm calling from Carpet Cleaners of America. Uh, I just called to let you know that we're offering up to 30% off our regular prices on carpet, drapery, and furniture cleaning. May I have someone call you in the next day or two to give you a free estimate right over the phone? And that was my entire spiel. And surprisingly enough, that worked a lot. As I mentioned, I made uh, $10 an hour, uh, but I got paid a dollar a lead. And there's times where I was making like $25 an hour because I get like 10 or 15 leads in an hour sometimes. Of course, there's other times when I was having bad days or I wasn't into it where I'd barely get like two or three. But I think the quota was four an hour to give you an idea. Uh, and I could, I could crush that without even fucking trying. So I made good money. And that's back in the uh, mid 90s, I believe, for most of it. So it's not like, uh, you know, which so is really, really good money for, for there. So I did telemarketing at, at a couple different jobs for about seven years. And finally, I couldn't fucking stand myself anymore. I decided that even though I wasn't trying to sell them something, I was still bothering them. I was still calling them at home. And I know certainly knew how I felt about being bothered at home. So I, I just couldn't do it now. And if I ever lost my job, that would be an option for me because obviously I'm good at talking for the most part. But I don't think I could do it again. I wouldn't want to. I, it's just it's just too fucking evil of a thing. You shouldn't bother people at home. You just shouldn't. <sighs> you know, Jesus, apparently we're all we're going to do is cover my different jobs today. Uh, we haven't seen anything from Big Dalton, so I guess his power is still out. Uh, <laughs> that's a bummer, but we only got like 12 more minutes. We can struggle through it, right, guys? Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Do I have any other jobs to talk about? I went through a plethora of jobs, went through temporary agencies that I was only at for a couple days or a week. I've told you guys this story before of me working in an electrical coating plant. 
Uh, and that was one of the few places where I ever got fired and justifiably fired because I couldn't do the job. An electrocoating plant, if for those that do not know, is a uh, painting process. Uh, so this this is how they painted car parts. They would <clears throat> they would use uh, uh, they would give the car part like a negative charge and the paint solution that they were using a positive charge, so that when they sprayed it, uh, and so when it went to the paint booth, it would all suck to the suck to the uh, part and give it a nice even paint job. Uh, it was a neat process, but they called it electrocoating. Um, so what that meant was there's these railing systems that ran through the, the factory going from one station to another. So basically there'd be a station where people were putting on whatever type of rack for the type of car part they were painting at the moment. Like uh, there's the different racks for bumpers, different racks for uh, car doors and so on, different racks for hoods and so on and so forth. And uh, so the next person would be, uh, would be hanging. Then So after people hanging up the racks, which depending on which ones weighs anywhere from 20 to 60 pounds uh, for the racks, maybe even more. Uh, and then the next station or next two or three stations, you just have people standing there with uh, car parts to hang on those racks. Uh, the car parts would also be on different types of racks that were stored someplace. Like, like you see 10 or 15 uh, uh, car doors, uh, like on this rack system uh, with wheels on it. And so what, so they push people would wheel over that rack of car doors and then you take the corridor off that rack and then hang it on the hanging rack that's slowly moving by you. Uh, and I couldn't do it. I was physically not strong enough to do it. I could not take a car door, pick it up to slightly about eye level is where is where the uh, uh, for the middle of the door to hang it on this moving hook that went that went by. I I did the, like three or four or five of them and then fucking I wasn't strong enough to do anymore. Um, the fact that it was moving was obviously not a big help. So at one point they tried to, to, um, have me avoid doing that by doing other stuff, but occasionally you do have to, you know, do that as part of your job. Uh, and I wasn't much better with other car parts, uh, like bumpers. I was able to do a little bit longer because they're not as, uh, they're not as heavy. And since they're long and thin, you, they're easier for to reach up and hit the hook on the rack than the car doors were. But after half a day, I was still blown out on that. I worked there for three days and, uh, they let me go. And as I mentioned, that's the only time I was not mad at all. I, I was like, well, I understand that I can't really do this job. <laughs> you know, it, it was one thing if I wasn't, if I wasn't putting the effort in or something like that, I was putting the effort in and I just couldn't do it. So as I mentioned, so I, I wasn't mad. <laughs> oh, I was like, now the silly dog wants to back up in my lap. <sighs> oh, let's see. What other type of jobs have I had? The mean society that, that, that oh, as a door to door salesman at one point, that was a horrible, horrible, horrible mistake. Uh, if anyone, if a, a young person ever comes up to your door, someone between the age of 18 and 28, one second, I need a drink of water. Uh, if a young person between the ages of 18 and 28 ever comes to your door and tell you that they're having a contest, uh, and if you, uh, if, if you could help them out by, you know, the long and short of they're trying to sell you magazines. And they're like, oh, if you buy this magazine, I get this many points. If you buy that magazine, you, I get this many points. Yeah, they're lying to you. Um, the company technically, <coughs> excuse me, the company technically does run a contest for where they can win prizes and shit, but that's not what they're about. They're not, they're not, it just, you know, they're acting like it's for scholarships or, you know, or uh, vacations and things like that. What they're doing is basically just selling magazines door to door. They get a percentage somewhere between, and this is once again back in the 90s, so the numbers probably don't mean as much. They would get somewhere between 7 and $15 for each magazine subscription they sold. And that's all they did. 
there was a group of adult, older adults uh, who were like their shepherds, so to speak. Uh, and all they did was go from city to city and state to state selling insurance, excuse me, not selling insurance, selling magazine subscriptions. They had like five or six uh, buses, not buses, excuse me, vans, and a group of like 30 to 40 young adults between 18 and 25. And all we did was stay in motels and hotels, uh, like two or three to a room to, to alleviate the costs and then, and then go from city to city. Like the, we would stay in one, uh, one area for four or five days while they hit different cities around the hotel. Then they would move to like a, another fucking state and, and so on and so forth. It was, uh, hold on, goddamn dog. Uh, and it's basically pretty much a scam. Half the people didn't get their magazines. Uh, they were all magazines you'd never heard of. It wasn't like Sports Illustrated or anything like that. It was like, you know, Southern Southern Home Living with Guns or, or and, and just weird, odd titles. Uh, I did that for about two months. Um, and then, uh, then I decided that that was not for me. And by that point, they had swung back to fairly near to where I was before that when they picked me up. And so I decided that was a good time to quit rather than before I was out of state because after that stop we were going out of state and it, it was an interesting job basically it was a whole bunch of degenerates that partied all night in their hotel rooms and then like the next morning crawled out of bed and walked around all day knocking on doors and selling magazine subscriptions um there were interesting people there i think the most the the funniest person i met there was a guy that helped me with my training uh it was a gay black guy named antoine uh and dude this guy did not go on script at all he did said whatever the fuck he wanted to sell magazines and he was good at it. This guy had a salesperson's personality. Yeah. Uh, like I remember one time we knocked on a door, uh, the person opened the door and he started dancing and singing. He goes, hi, I want to buy, sell you magazines. I want to sell you uh, magazines and <laughs> did like a little spin and shit. <laughs> Fucking he sold that guy a magazine. Uh, another time we walked up to a door and knocked on the door. A uh, guy opens the door. He goes, hi, we're having an, an Arsenio Hall lookalike contest. He points to me. Can you believe this guy's winning? I should mention black, uh, Anton was a black guy with a high top. So <laughs> he looked a lot like Arsenio Hall. Uh, he was a great guy. Uh, he'd sell a fair amount of magazine subscriptions. We would get way more offers of like free beer and joints and shit like that. I don't know what it is, but uh, people, uh, him and a couple other people that I did sales with uh, while I was training with them were just attracted people that wanted to give them stuff. You know, uh, I drank so many beers and so smoked so many joints when I was training with a couple of those guys. Cause you know, that was like the normal thing. It's like, nah, nah, I don't want to buy a magazine. You want a beer though? <laughs> so even when they failed, they were good at selling out people on stuff. It was pretty impressive. Some of them, but once again, there was a lot, basically all dirt bags trying to scam people. Uh, telemarketing in general does attract a lot of, uh, shady people because it's a job anyone can do. And the better you are at running your mouth, the better you are at it. So that was, that was, you know what, actually, I think that was what stopped me from playing, from doing telemarketing anymore. I was working at a place and the guy next to me that was doing the job was rehab, re reprehensible. He was fucking a horrible person. He, he said whatever he could, like his thing was uh, back in the day. You know, and I'm sure now a lot of times you would have someone who was not the homeowner answering the phone. So what you needed to do was get the homeowner on the phone. So I just say, hi, may I speak with Mr. So-and-so? Uh, and so oh, who's calling? Oh, I'm Jay from so-and-so and so-and-so. He, you know, and a lot of times it was kids. And that was what a hard thing to get the kid to give an adult the phone. Uh, this guy would say shit, you know, like, oh, who's this? He goes, it's fucking Santa Claus. Now give your dad your, the phone or you aren't getting any presents. Just, you know, fucking outlandish off the wall shit. And that's the, like the least of his stuff. And he was such a scumbag about it that I, 
after working there for two or three months, I was like, you know what? I don't want to do the same job this guy's doing because he's a horrible fucking person. And that kind of makes me a horrible fucking person. And I don't want to think of myself that way. Uh, so I quit that day. I was like, I, I can't do this. I can't do the same job that this guy is doing, you know? And I didn't quit because of that guy. Cause I was, you know, when he was off the phone, he wasn't a bad guy to talk to and stuff, you know, but I, I listening to him, how he did his business on the phone made me decide I didn't want to be anywhere near him as career wise. So I quit telemarketing that day and I don't know what I fucking did after that. Uh, I think that's where I got the CVS job where I worked for a couple of years. I was the head of the photo department. I was the one hour photo manager, uh, which is, so, which at the time I thought was not bad. I mean, I was making a little bit more money. I started off just a regular CVS clerk and, you know, uh, but then they moved me over to the photo department and then they put me in charge of the photo department. So I was a manager. I still made jack shit. I can't remember what I made, but it wasn't much. Uh, but I thought I had, I had a career, you know, um, I still didn't have health insurance now that I remember correctly. So it couldn't have been much of a career, but I'd moved up from entry level to the next step up. So, um, and thank God the manager of my, uh, country club that i work at found me there because he walked in one and here's a good uh, tip guys even if you don't like the job even if you think it's a bullshit job always do your job the best you can because you never know who's going to be watching uh as it turns out who was watching me was the manager of this country club he walked in one day you know and i did my still hey how can i help you da, 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 da. he goes you know i've been watching you uh, deal with the customers and i like it I, I, I like how you deal with the customers here i'd like to offer you a job I'm like, okay, uh, where would that be, sir? And he goes, so-and-so-and-so-and-so country club. I was like, oh, well, uh, what would I be doing? He goes, I don't know. We'll find you something. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this guy's fucking drunk or crazy. So I took his card, and that was the end of it. Uh, then several months later, we had different management uh, move into my CVS that didn't like me for some reason. I, till this day, I don't know why she did this, but she started cutting my hours. Like I went from like 50 hours to 40 hours to 30 hours, and then I walked in one day, and I had 14 hours. I was like, uh, clearly I can't work like this. So, you know, fucking I quit, which is what she probably wanted in the first place. Cause if they would have fired me, they would have given me unemployment. Uh, I, I don't know why she wanted me gone. I, I thought we got along fairly well. I don't, I don't know to this day. I'll never be able to answer that question, but that was the end of that. And I was unemployed for a fair amount of time after that to the point where I was considering, um, working for McDonald's, which is not something I wanted to do, <laughs> but I was going through my wallet one night, uh, uh, contemplating the lack of money in it and i found that gentleman's card i was like oh shit why not so i gave him a call and he gave me a job at the uh, country club as the head receptionist although technically my title is head of member communications because i do more than just receptionist stuff i'm kind of like a, a combination between a receptionist hotel concierge conciliary concierge i don't know how to say that uh, and like a customer service rep uh basically i sit at my desk uh, and take reservation, answer phones and, and fill out and take care of member requests and complaints. Like, uh, like if a member has a special request or he needs to ha have this taken care of, or, or if they want a fucking camel, but a member asked me to, uh, for a camel, I would get a member, member of fucking camel. <laughs> of course, it'd mostly be uh, shifting that duty onto other people, but still that would, that is what I would do. And thank God that I was doing a good job at CVS that day. Cause I don't know where the fuck I would have been if I would have stayed in that field. Cause you know, that's, it would have been an option. Even though I left that job, I had a lot of experience in one hour photo. So I could have got, got a job at another pharmacy or a, or any place that has a one hour photo department. And where the fuck would I be now? Where's the last time you guys saw a one hour photo department? You know, you don't, they're They don't exist anymore. As far as I know, uh, I don't even know if you can even do the old method of sending it in. Cause the, when I was working at the photo department, they still had the old method where you turned in your, your film. We sent it off to a photography lab. 
uh, it came back like three or four days later with your photos, which was cheaper, I guess. Uh, so that's why some people did that. Uh, but the newer method for one hour photos was a little bit more expensive, but that's still what the vast majority of people did. But I, that's a useless skill now. Who, who the fuck does one hour photos? Nobody at all. So just because I was doing a good job at my stupid job uh, and someone noticed I, I have a career. And as I mentioned before, it's not the most awesome career. I don't get paid a tremendous money, but the health insurance is really good. The benefits or other benefits are good. And until this year with the entire COVID thing, I had pretty good job stability because it's an old school, old school money type of uh, country club. So like the economy does not normally affect it. Like when, when we had that recession thing back in 2009, I think we lost two members and gained, gained two new ones back the next year. <coughs> so it, it's very much not going any place. It's been around since the 20s. It's uh, it's pretty established. So I always thought that as long as I didn't fuck up, I would always have a job. Now with this entire COVID thing, it happened to close, you know, open late and probably close early. I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. I certainly can't go and get another job at my age. I'll be 47 next month. I can't start a new career. Uh, I, there's not a single entry level job I could find out there that would pay my bills for, uh, if nothing else. But that's complaints for the other day. looks like we made it through an entire hour, guys. Uh, I want to thank the OG Army for sh showing up and sticking with me for this horrible shit show of a uh, travesty. <laughs> I want to not thank Dalton for not showing up at all. Come on, get a different power company, dude. That just sucks. You're always making fun of Detroit. Apparently, your power system sucks compared to Detroit's because I don't lose power, motherfucker. <laughs> but anyways, uh, that should be about it. Uh, please join us tomorrow at 6 o'clock uh, we'll, where we will be doing this all over again. I don't know if uh, I don't know if Dalton's going to start a fight companion if he gets his power on, uh, which is what he's supposed to be doing tonight. Uh, so hopefully he gets it back soon and he starts the fight companion. So check back later and see if Dalton's doing this or if we're done for the night. But regardless, I want you guys to have a good night and I'll talk to you tomorrow at six o'clock. Bye bye. Screw you, hippies. <laughs>